Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Simon, and this is a, uh, a sort of a, uh, an adding to the story from last week, where I talked about the difference between psychotherapy uh, without and with uh, uh, quotation marks around the therapy, and patients with and without quotation marks. The uh, first being um, a psychotherapy that has to be examined for its authoritarian tendencies. Um, and that is, information basically goes one way, and the, the authority uh, takes upon themselves what information they will and won't give to uh, the patient, uh, and just how much of an input into what happens in the therapy uh, is due to the patient. Uh, that is a directed uh, input, not a rebellion uh, where it ends up with anger and fighting, or, or, which leads to uh, uh, serious consequences in terms of the diagnosis and the label given to the patient, or uh, becoming upset and uh, feeling frustrated and leaving the relationship with the therapist um, in the same way that children often will fight with parents and end up with the diagnosis, as I talked about last week, uh, oppositional defiant disorder, um, or running away from home, uh, thereby creating neither a democracy nor an authoritarian situation, but an anarchy where there's a rupture and a breakdown in a relationship that uh, A, might be necessary, and B, uh, if handled differently, might be a, uh, very helpful uh, to whether it's the patient or the child or whoever is involved with the authority. Um, I talked about uh, last week some of the aspects of being a patient in quotes. Uh, I wish I had a different word, but as I spoke about last week and many times before that, uh, I don't have a, you know, the word client is all right, but client doesn't really fit uh, uh, what I mean when you experience that particular relationship. Client, uh, client privilege with, a, with an attorney is not the same thing as the interaction in a psychotherapy, which is designed for the patient to learn about themselves accept whatever it is they're feeling, accept their history as best they can get the facts of that history uh, and, and reconstruct that history and thereby make decisions different for their life where they become uh, their own therapist. One of the things in the final years of my working actively, either the clinic or in my private practice, was when a patient said, what should I do? I'd say, what do I do with you? Well, you ask questions. I said, can you ask the same questions of yourself? In other words, you become more and more the authority. In an authoritarian relationship, authority says this is the truth, and that's it. And if you disagree, you're disobedient. Uh, uh, in, in a, in a, in a, in a parent-child relationship, uh, you're treasonous. Uh, or in, in a political situation, you're uh, uh, her her heretical or apostate in a clerical situation, and you're mentally disturbed and mentally ill in a, uh, uh, a conflict 
in the medical health establishment, the medical health industry. And this prevents, as I said last week, most therapists uh, from really being able to do what they want to do, is to use their uh, uh, knowledge, not their authority, but their knowledge, to ask questions and create a climate where an individual can examine their thoughts, their feelings, their history, without fear of judgment, without fear of an authoritarian attack on them as a person, as a human being, for uh, believing as they believe, for giving witness as they wish, for asserting themselves and developing uh, more of an authority in their own lives. And it's one of the number of things make this uh, uh, so difficult. And so when, when anybody would ask me, what do I do when I go into uh, therapy and find someone, one of the first things you have to confront is if you're going to use insurance, there's going to be a diagnosis. And most of the people I know and have known do not tell the patient the diagnosis. Uh, Psychiatrists will because they are fully uh, involved most of the time in the medical model, which sees the diagnosis not as a psychological or a moral one, but as a medical one based on the notion that there's brain injury or biochemical upset that's creating the troubling behavior, the behavior that troubles the individual for doing what they're doing or for the consequences interpersonally that leads to all kinds of hurt and conflict uh, that uh, nobody really wants, that becomes destructive to otherwise uh, good relationships, helpful relationships, necessary relationships. So the question that has to be asked is the what I've been talking about for years that, that came from my awareness of this topic uh, when I read Thomas Zoss back in the 1970s, The Myth of Mental Illness and then The Manufacture of Madness, is whether or not there really is a medical problem when somebody is really anxious or really depressed. Uh, um, and I'm just going to stick in this broadcast with those two issues. You have an anxiety disorder uh, or you have a, a serious depression, uh, uh, a major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder. I mean, there's all kinds of breakdowns and subdivisions. Once this has been labeled, the question that has to be asked is the one that I promote asking, and that is, is this really a medical problem? And the question to be asked is what diagnosis did you give me? This is a reasonable question uh, to ask of uh, somebody who has to make a diagnosis once there has been an agreement that uh, the therapist is going to put in uh, for uh, uh, insurance payments. The insurance company is medical insurance, whatever the company is, whatever the plan is, it's a medical insurance. And it covers medical problems that therefore have to be posed as medical problems. Now, for years, if you've been listening to my show or you've had doubts about, there is no medical problem uh, in most of these diagnoses. And the question to be asked of the therapist is, after you find out what they're calling you, 
is what does this mean? Do I have a medical condition? If the individual says, yes, we believe that this is uh, due to a meta upset in your brain chemistry uh, or a brain problem, the question then to be asked is, do you have a medical license? That's one of the questions to be asked. And if the person has a PhD or an MSW, the question then to be asked is, if this is a medical problem, how are you treating the medical problem? The answer may be, I'm only treating the symptoms. Well, why can't you treat the medical problem? Well, I don't have a medical license. And then the second question, or the related question is, I don't remember taking any kind of test, any kind of exam, blood work, brain scan, uh, uh, EEG, electroencephalogram, nothing that showed any kind of evidence that I could point to that I could carry around in my hand that says there was a definite medical problem, a problem with my body, the brain being part of the body, body part of a chemical upset, uh, part of my body, uh, which is what medical diagnoses are. If there is no such evidence, then the issue has to be discussed. How do you know that this is a medical problem? If it's not based on evidence, then it's based on what we call a demand by authority that, that, that it's true. In other words, it's authoritarian. And the more upset the person gets from this being challenged, this idea that there's a medical problem, the, the, the more difficult the relationship becomes. And most of us have been trained in one way or another to be obedient. When we're not obedient and fighting back against authority, we end up being belligerent or walking out, neither of which really resolve the underlying problem is that I came to somebody, you came to somebody, we all come to somebody who has the authority, as they say, to help us. But if they're first posing that I have a medical problem and there is no evidence for the medical problem, then what's being treated? What does the label then actually mean? And if they won't discuss it, it's because they're caught up in their own authoritarian conflict. Now, I, I know this uh, as a therapist. When I started to promote this idea, when I started to become more active in questioning the medical basis, I came under tremendous fire, tremendous personal attack. Uh, and I won't go through the, the things I had to endure in my career and in my relationships over this. It threatens the ability of that person to earn a living in a field that has based itself on a medical model that I believe and have argued all through my shows here and in, and in several books is an inappropriate model for helping people understand themselves, assert their own authority in non-authoritarian ways, and find ways uh, to choose to live better with themselves and with other people. So these are issues I believe have to uh, begin with the first appointment with a doctor. Now, if you have enough money and you can pay the fee or uh, negotiate a fee without insurance, 
then there need not be a diagnosis. Now, what is this diagnosis if it's not medical? If we judge an organ to be deficient, uh, I have an abscess in my liver, I have a tumor in my brain, my red blood cells are, are too, and my blood are too low or too high, you have a medical diagnosis. But if you say you're too emotional, you're too depressed, you're too sad for the situation that you're in, you're too anxious, these are moral judgments. If we judge behavior, it's by definition a moral or an ethical judgment. But now it's posing as a medical problem. And this changes everything in how to understand or how to deal with these problems. Now, more and more psychiatrists don't call themselves psychiatrists. They call themselves psychopharmacologists. What they have learned is to use their authority to write a prescription for some drug, call it a medicine, because as I'll explain in a moment, a drug is a drug, but it's not a medicine unless it targets a real medical problem. You can see somebody in and out of their office in 10, 15 minutes at maximum as compared to uh, uh, seeing somebody uh, for psychotherapy, a reasonable psychotherapy that can be 30 minutes, 45 minutes or longer. Uh, and, and, and then I have to write a note and a process, uh, 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 so dictate or write something about the session. Uh, this doesn't lead to as much money uh, and, and as much involvement as 12 minutes or 15 minutes writing the script and you're out of the office. So, a drug is a drug, and drugs are very much a part of human life. Um, uh, I have an appointment tonight, so I can't have a glass of wine because I would never see a patient or, or somebody uh, uh, having drank anything. I mean, it changes my, my brain function, which is what all these psychiatric drugs do. They change brain function from the normal to the abnormal so that it becomes more difficult uh, for the individual to feel the anxiety or depression that is uh, the cause uh, on the impetus for their coming very often uh, for help. Why am I so messed up? Now, when labels are given about people in the authoritarian system, they're attached to the uh, uh, identity of the individual. One of the best ways to control people is to convince them that there's something wrong with them and that their judgment and their inferiority makes it imperative for them to accept the dictates and the direction of the authority. Otherwise, there's negotiation or there's argument or there is some kind of conflict that now has to be resolved in one way or another. So the, 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 the inability for the individual to understand that when they get this diagnosis that says they're sick in some way or they're disordered in some way, is that this is a moral judgment about their behavior, about the nature of their emotions, 
the, the corrective for that is to understand or ask the question, if I'm not sick, literally physically sick, then what's the anxiety about? Why is it I have so much trouble getting out of bed in the morning and I'm so sad and I can't eat or I eat too much or I want to kill myself? What is it in my history? What is it in my emotional development that creates this kind of a problem? And then we get moved closer to the idea that there's nothing wrong here except the problem to be understood and if possible managed and if even more possible solved. I almost said cured. But there is no cure going on here. There's no real treatment going on here. It's an education in understanding the self, understanding how a history developed that self. And one of the things I haven't been talking about, I should be talking about a little more, and I will add right now, is that a lot of the baggage we come out with from childhood comes from decisions we made about ourselves and our interactions that are based upon childhood thinking. Uh, Piaget pointed out that the younger we are and the less development in a given area of our life, the more likely we are to use what he called pre-operational thinking. Pre-operational thinking is thinking that is egocentric. The two big qualities about it, there are others, is one that it's egocentric. Whatever decision or whatever the individual observes is somehow about them. Either it's happening to them or they've caused it. And children are really wonderful in assuming they are the cause of problems that they couldn't possibly be the cause of. Um, or that they have no way to resist the statements made by adults, their parents or others, that the problem is them uh, and that they created the misery in the parents' marriage or the fact that the teacher can't teach. Uh, or, or, or all kinds of, they blame themselves. And the label that's then assigned to them as a bad child, as a problem child, or once they see the professional, a diagnosed child uh, uh, with a pseudo-medical diagnosis that really is a moral judgment hiding its true nature, they accept that and grow up feeling uh, I aggravated my father, and that's what caused his heart attack. Um, this can't be corrected. This can't be changed unless there is a discussion that deals with facts from an operational point of view. The second aspect of children's thinking that you see in many adults who are in difficulty, you see in the political process now as people scream at each other, is that there are no shades of gray. Uh, if I'm bad, I'm very, very bad. And the corrective to this is to start thinking about the label is about behavior. So therefore, the label has to be used as an adjective or an adverb, not as a, uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, as an adverb, but not as an adjective of the self. So somebody sent me a note some time ago that said, I, I'm not a bad person. And I wrote back, you're not a bad person. There are no bad people. There are no good people. 
There are people whose behavior we judge to be bad and then have to state the basis of the badness. Is it they're bad because they have done something destructive or because our feelings are hurt because of what they've said or done? The problem is not, you know, you made me feel guilty. No, no one ever made you feel guilty. You feel guilty because the guilt is yours. There are no good people, but there are people who do things we judge to be good. And all of us as human beings sometimes do things that we or others judge to be bad, wrong, and we or others judge to be good. The crisis, the nastiness starts when we assume we are bad, when we are defective. And that is one of the great difficulties with this medical model. The assumption that you have a problem in your brain chemistry and that this brain chemistry is forever says that the label is forever and it will follow you wherever you go with all manner of, of, of serious or not so serious consequences. Once you believe you're defective, your behavior changes forever in almost every situation. And usually not for the better, not for something that empowers, not for something uh, that allows growth and increased creativity and better relationships and, 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 and uh, 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 more moral and juicier sex or all of the things that we wish for, but somehow keep eluding us because of our self-definitions. I really don't have a lot of time now to talk about the drugs that are given us. Um, Peter Bregan, you can Google Peter Bregan, B-R-E-G-G-I-N, is a psychiatrist uh, that I know fairly well. I haven't seen in some years and still, uh, since his organization that I belonged to and was an officer in and I was involved in uh, on a number of levels, um, uh, 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 writes, uh, you could Google this, uh, that evidence exists, and when you enter into the topic beyond Peter Bregan, you find that the consequences, the, the side effects, they're not side effects, the direct effects of many of these antidepressants is to take a person who's depressed, feeling depressed, for whom there's a lot of anger and rage, and let it explode. Very much the way any um, stimulant does. Uh, many of the kids who were school shooters, um, and the list, I didn't take it with me, but you could look it up, uh, the uh, number of them were either on, just beginning, or coming off antidepressive medications with the SSRI uh, uh, stimulants. You could just Google the whole thing, uh, antidepressant medication and violence. It is very much a part of violence. This is why uh, I, I laugh when I hear the politicians say the problem is to send somebody to a psychiatrist who has tendency of, to violence. Uh, violence is rage, it's anger. And when it's acted upon, uh, it's destructive. And if the medicine that's given is not a medicine, because the problem is not in the brain of the individual or in the body of the individual, then that stimulant can be the source of the problem that sets off 
what was only a fantasy or a wish until the drug impaired the ability of the individual to see the difference between the fantasy and the actual behavior. Um, most people on these drugs uh, uh, hate it. A small number of very depressed people uh, like it, about 30%. The rest find that it numbs their body, it numbs the genitals, it kills the sex urge. It makes life uh, incredibly difficult. Um, I've talked about anxiety and depression uh, in separate topics. You can go back into the history. I don't have the time to do it now. Uh, but let me just give a couple of minutes on anxiety. Anxiety is a universal emotion. As a friend of mine once called it, it's the alarm of the brain. Anxiety says there's something you have to know that you're not looking at that's of crucial importance for your survival or for your growth as a human being. It comes out of our time uh, of walking on the savannas of Africa when we were first uh, uh, becoming the human being biologically that we are now uh, and recognizing there was something in that bush. It was either something we would have dinner or something that would make us dinner. And that anxiety tells us that there's a problem to be looked at. Our concentration uh, focuses and we become very particular in trying to find out what's in the bush or what's in the diagnosis that the doctor now has after our tests have come back or what's going on in our family that we have to know about it for our own interest that we're forbidden in the authoritarian manner from recognizing or putting into words. When we learn to bullshit ourselves, and this is what, what psychoanalysis uh, and all forms of therapy very often recognize and pay attention to, is that we are bullshitting ourselves and what we're bullshitting ourselves about, what we don't want to see, is what is creating the anxiety. And then when we learn that anxiety is an illness, we become anxious about when the anxiety will come back, proving how sick and ill we are. And then you have panic attacks and generalized anxiety. And then we're in real trouble. What is needed here is knowledge. What is needed here is fact. What is here is a patient examination of how we're bullshitting ourselves, what psychoanalysis, what therapy calls psychological defenses. Depression, not an illness. There is no evidence, no medical test, that when we're really depressed, that we have a brain problem. It may be that in the anxiety and depression that we feel, uh, the brain we have is sensitive to some of the bullshit and some of the pressure and the stresses of our life. But when I hear a depressed person, this is what I hear. I'm no good, which is leads to self-hatred. The world is a bad place to live in. Fear, anxiety. There's nothing I or anybody else can do with. Helplessness and hopelessness. It's that collection of thoughts and emotions that is depression. And that requires clarification. That requires understanding. If a drug will help on a short-term basis relieve the problem, 
fine. I'm not against drugs. Just don't let it be called a medicine to cure an illness that doesn't exist. What exists is a psychological complex of ideas and emotions, which any one of them, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the self-hatred, the fear, that, that, that any one of them is relieved, the depression goes away. The feeling of it. I am not a depressive. I feel depressed. I feel oppressed. That's the word. It's not something I have. It's something I live with. I think I've covered the topic again. Actually, you can never finish covering these topics. Uh, I am not going to be around for a week or so. Uh, if you listen carefully to this and go back into some of my other broadcasts for a larger discussion of some of the issues, uh, don't be a patient without quotes. Be a patient with quotes. That and find a person and insist that the person you work with tell you the diagnosis, explain the diagnosis if it becomes necessary because of insurance. If there's something that they say is biologically wrong, you have to ask for the proof, for the fact of its existence. If they get angry at you and say they know better, recognize an authoritarian situation and either argue with it, fight back against it, or find someone who will respect the questions that you're asking, not because you want to challenge their authority, but because you need the facts to make an intelligent decision for your own life. Okay, that's it. It's been a pleasure. It's time to turn on the news and find out if the world is yet being blown up, which I worry about very seriously. And I'll end my episode now.